family. We are we're doing the music at the end. McKenna's got practice and stuff for sports, and so uh, she's got that until about six thirty. So we're going to try to do praise the, the music at the end. So we're going to do the, the lesson and then keep your small groups like we normally do it. So uh, let's start with some uh, with some prayer. Got with a chance just to get back together after a, a little break. I pray for tonight as we dig into this new series and um, just this new year. And may we see um, it. You've called some people in, in Scripture to go, and that same call is directed at us. And may we um, see, see what, what happened in the Scripture and just apply those same teachings and same truths uh, to our lives today. I pray for this time. I pray for uh, just free to move in a mighty way. I pray for these students to see opportunities on campus just to uh, to go and to, to make a difference and uh, be, to be the kind of friend uh, that someone uh, needs that they may not already have. Shame I pray. Amen. Hopefully you guys have your Bible. If not, please go grab your Bible real quick. <coughs> grab your Bibles. I know that's something new. Grabbing Bibles for Bible study is a new concept. I got you with them tonight. So you got that's Blaney. You want to sit there? You can, or you can sit. If you can take Blaine's spot, that's fine. You should take Blaine's spot. In in North, at Disney World. Getting rained out. Getting rained out at Epcot. She took Megan. And Jennifer Daling. Yeah. Cannot really. Jennifer spoke at the conference that they're at. She's a breakout session. That'll be fun. Yeah, that's where he wants to go for a senior trip. That's where he wants to go for a senior trip. So, all right. Uh, I guess. Alright. Well, I'll pause my lesson. So, so now we're back. Okay, Luke. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Alright. So, like I said, I, you know, welcome back. I missed you guys. It's been 2023. It was a pretty great year. I think 2024 uh, is going to be, I think, even better. So starting tonight, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, Jesus in a series called Go, where we're going to look at three different statements where he told somebody uh, to go. And so I, I can't think of a better place to start a, a fresh year, a new year, than with Jesus telling somebody to go and to do something. And so that's where we're going to begin and, and start. Uh, some of you already do this, and I, and I love that, but if that's not you, I want to encourage you maybe to... Uh, to take notes, 
if you have a pen and notepad or take some notes. Uh, I, I still have notes from when I was your age. I can look through and read through. And it's pretty cool to see uh, what, what God has teached me back then and kind of the stuff that I've, I've grown over over the years. It's pretty cool. So on, on that note, um, if I printed out like a fill-in-the-blank handout for you guys, would anybody even want that? Perfect. Awesome. That's, I love it. Makes me feel great about my teaching. Um, so, as we begin to see, we're going to give you a challenge. It's a challenge that we're going to kind of unpack over these next three weeks. And so, you may have asked, you know, uh, what, why we call this go. So, three times in the Bible, it's recorded that Jesus told somebody to go. The first one is to go and do the same. That's what we're going to look at tonight is go and do the same. That's, this was said to a man who had amazing compassion for others. And, and so that's where we're going to be tonight. Next week is, is go and sin no more. That was said to a woman who really messed up. So that story is going to kind of be our focal point for the year, kind of our theme, what we're going to be talking about. Um, so we're going to look at that next week. And the last one is go and make disciples. So said to a group of men and women who you know, were his closest followers. If you were here on Sunday, you heard this passage. It's a Pretty popular passage. It gets preached on at least once or twice, uh, both big church and in here every year. So each week of the series, we're taking up Jesus' challenge to go. Now, in our culture, we use this term "go" all the time. Right? We're like, hey, maybe your parents they ever get upset with you? Like, they might ever get told by the parents, "Go to your room." Anybody? Maybe not now. Maybe when you were younger. Yeah, maybe. That's not one of the things people like to hear because that usually means you're in some trouble. Um, for us in my house, it's, I'm looking at talking to Jojo, and I'm like, Jojo, go to the bathroom. And this is like when I'm trying to get her ready for bed, and we're doing the whole nightly routine. She's like, yeah, but I went yesterday. Like, this is what her mindset is. So I'm like, go to the bathroom. She doesn't want to for, I guess, because it's just to stay, I don't know what it is. Someone gets really angry. Maybe they'll even tell you to go to hell, which is not always fun. Not something you really want to hear from people or to say to people. Because, I mean, if you think about it, words have meanings, and that's a pretty big Pretty big thing to say to somebody. Well, maybe in Midland, uh, the stoplight, you know, whenever it turns green, what does that mean? Go. And if maybe somebody's texting, maybe, get, you know, or you're texting or somebody else is texting, you get a little, little encouragement of go with the horn, right? I do this all the time. I'm always honking at people because they can't drive. Um, but go just simply means to just to get moving, to move along, to quit just thinking around, and, and actually get going and do something. Well, one of those times that Jesus said go is actually one of his most famous quotes. One of the things that gets quoted by him and from Scripture is this quote. It says from Luke chapter 10. Hopefully you guys are there. Um, so Jesus here tells a story to help to know what it means to love other people. And this, this passage is so well known that the VeggieTales even had a fantastic episode uh, about this. As I told you guys before, whenever you come across Scripture and you study Scripture, uh, it's important that we understand the context, right? Yes? Because context is key. And, and I think this will help us kind of understand the, the, the situation in this story. So I'm not gonna, we're not going to read the first part of the, this, this passage. We're just going to read just the actual parable part that Jesus is saying. But it, leading up to this, Jesus is asked by this religious man, the, 
The, the Bible calls him a lawyer. And the, the specific term being used is someone who was an expert at the Mosaic Law. What, so somebody tell me, what is the Mosaic Law? Anybody know? The Law of Moses. So the law that we have found in the first five books of the Bible, the Mosaic Law that was given by God to Moses, and Moses gave it to the people. Uh, like a, lot, a lot in Leviticus, Deuteronomy just basically means the second giving of the law. And so we have all that stuff. There's 613 laws. And so these guys were the experts within uh, those laws, and they would, they, I mean, they knew those things forwards and backwards. And this is who was asking Jesus this question. So that's who he's addressing in this. And so the, you know, all of Jewish life, it was dictated by the law. And this, like I said, this dude knew it. And so just try, try and give you that picture of who Jesus was interacting with. They, you know, they were trying to trap Jesus because, you know, they said they were followers of God, but they were focused on themselves. And they were selfish. They were self-centered. They didn't care about anybody or anyone um, but himself or herself. And, and that doesn't sound like us at all, right? Like, shame on them if only they were as good as us, right? Because we're not selfish people, right? No, we're pretty selfish people. So, look with me at Luke chapter 10, uh, 30 through 37. Look at this very famous parable that you guys have probably heard. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you uh, when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He, being the person who asked the question, said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So I, I love this story that Jesus tells here. If, if you grew up in church and you spent any time in church, you probably heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. You've heard it before. You know, even in our culture, I don't know if you're aware of this, our culture has a law called the Good Samaritan Law, which means if somebody is or injured, or uh, or hurting, you can help them without fear of getting sued. Like say you're in a restaurant and somebody starts choking, and you go over there and you help them, you give them the Heimlich maneuver, and maybe you break a rib or two, you can't be sued for helping them try not to die. You got it? That's, that's an actual Good Samaritan law. So here's why I love this passage. Jesus is challenging this man, and by proxy, by the word, you and I, to be good Samaritans. Not necessarily, you know, waiting in a restaurant hoping somebody chokes on their food, right? But to be people who are on the lookout for other people in need. Because, I mean, let's just face it, you're on a school campus and there's people who who are in need. I mean, I can guarantee no matter what school you go to, there's somebody there that's in some sort of need. I think it could be a game changer for you if you actually looked at people like that. And just picture your school for a minute. Not just the hallways or the classrooms, but the faces of people that you pass by every day. Who do you see that's, that's lonely? Who do you see that's sitting alone? Who, who's beat up? Who's, who's failing? Who's invisible? Who's being bullied? Who's, 
in the pit. Of course, not, you know, realistically. But, you know, who needs someone in their corner? Uh, I have this quote right here on my iPad. I've loved it. Um, you guys probably never even noticed. It says, nobody needs to be seen by everybody. But everybody needs someone who sees them. You don't have to have everybody in your corner. You just need to have one person who sees you. You don't have to have your whole school like pouring into one person who's who's hurting and lonely. You just need you just need to be the one person to reach out. I've said this. I can't tell you how many times since I've been here. You're never more like Jesus than when you're meeting the needs of the hurting and lonely. You see throughout Scripture, that's who He met with. That's who He ministered to. And that's what He's calling us to. So I want to challenge you guys to live like the Good Samaritan, not just to be uh, a nice person but to let our love for Jesus overflow towards other people. So before we kind of continue, I want to kind of dig just a little bit more as to why this story is, is so impactful. And what, if you, were, if you were somebody in the crowd, if you were this man, if you were somebody maybe in the proximity of Jesus telling this parable to this man, I want to kind of explain why this would be such a big deal and why it's crazy. So you have this, this who, who was the good person that helped? The Samaritan. The Jewish people regarded Samaritans like worse than the Gentiles. They hated Gentiles, and then the Samaritans were like underneath the Gentiles. They, 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 they were a mixed race in two ways. They were ethnically different. Uh, and it, you have, I'm going to give you guys some history. You may tune out for a second. I hope not. I hope you guys kind of understand uh, what's happening. So there was an invasion by the Syrians in 734 B.C. Uh, so they were the race, kind of, so the Samaritans were the race that sprang up from the intermixture, intermarriage of Jewish people and the people that left behind uh, the Assyrians. Because what happens is whenever you, you're conquering a conquering nation would come in, they would like wipe out everybody, you know, kill all the men. They would bring in their own men and then they would begin to intermarry with the, lo the local people and begin to bring in their religions, their, their culture, their, all their stuff. And so their goal would be to strip you of your identity, of your culture, and to bring in their stuff. And so that's what the Samaritans were. They, they intermarried with the Syrians, and because of that, the Jewish people saw them re as revolting and, like I said, less than, than Gentiles. But also they were um, a mixed race um, religiously. The pagan worship of multiple, God, multiple gods was brought in by those Assyrians. So they came in, not just kind of overtook their culture and their, their food and their language, all that kind of stuff, but their religion brought in their multiple gods. And then, because they had multiple gods, they're like, you know, we can add the Jewish God to the mix. You know, he's one of these kind of gods. So by, by, by the time of Jesus' day, however, the Samaritans were largely just worshiping the Jewish gods. They kind of got rid of all those other ones. However, from the earliest days of their religion, kind of when they kind of became intermixed, in, um, they rejected the city of Jerusalem as the side of the temple. If you remember the story of John chapter 4, you kind of had this conversation taking place. This is because the Jews had rejected, so in, uh, in the book of Ezra chapter 4, the Jews were rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. The Samaritans came and said, hey, let us help you. And they're like, uh, we don't like you, we don't want your help. And so because of that, uh, the uh, Samaritans rejected Jerusalem as the side of the temple and said, place it uh, in Samaria. It was actually a common saying in Israel. This is something that the Jewish people would say. They would say, may my eyes never see a Samaritan. That's just super sweet, super nice, right? I mean, mutual hatred and prejudice 
They were the order of the day. This is what everybody just believed and, and lived deep down. This is just what the culture was like. So um, does, your, does your Bibles have a map in the back of it? Usually they do. Uh, let's see which one. All right, go to uh, map 11. If you have one of those paper Bibles, map 11. So before this, Jesus was up north in the Galilee region. He was traveling to, uh, well, not before this, but uh, eventually, like whenever, then chapter, in John 4 specifically, he's up in Galilee, heading to Jerusalem. So you kind of see Samaria is right in the middle, Galilee, and then Samaria, and then Judea, which is where Jerusalem, the capital, was. And so they would, they would actually walk around Samaria, crossing over into the Jordan River, like east of the Jordan River, to avoid all of Samaria. Like they hated, they wouldn't even step foot in their country. Not only that, they did not hate, they hate it, but if a, if a Jewish person was caught, like, walking in Samaria to Jerusalem, they would like be ran out, they would be beat up, because they did not want anybody, because what, what their thinking was, they're coming from Galilee on their way to Jerusalem, they're there to go probably towards one of the three festivals, three feasts that are prescribed to go to. And like, they're going to go worship God in the wrong place, we're not going to let them through. You got it? That makes sense? But if they were, if, Jew, if Jews were going to go from Jerusalem back up to, to Galilee, they would allow them to go through, but chances are they probably walked around somewhere. Like I said, I mean, I don't, they hated each other. You can't really tell on the map. Uh, this is a very rocky, very terrain, you know, changing elevation quickly place. The, the Jordan River is in a rift valley, and so they have to, like, cross down and, like, go up and down mountains just to avoid this country. You got it? They hated each other. I mean, I don't know if I can explain that enough. Well, I guess I can, because, uh, the passage preceding ours in Luke chapter 9, they actually use the words demon and Samaritan interchangeably. So that's, they had that going for them. Right, that's, that's, that's some hatred. That is some deep-seated hatred toward one another. So here in this story, Jesus is using the Samaritan as someone who's just so hated and despised by Jewish people. By doing that, he offended their prejudices towards Samaritans. You know, Pharisaic Judaism taught that you can only be a neighbor with another Jew. Remember, so he asked the question before the parable, well, who is my neighbor? That was the question being asked. And Pharisaic Judaism taught your neighbor is your fellow Jew. And that's, that was it. That was their neighbor. Preferably like another Pharisee like them because they liked each other. So this dude was trying to trap Jesus into kind of going against this Pharisaic tradition. So Jesus mentions three classes of people in this parable. A priest, uh, all of whom were descendants of the brother Moses Aaron. A Levite, these were uh, someone who was uh, in the religious leadership of Israel, so they had some high authority. And then you had the Samaritan, which we just discussed at length, right? Only the Samaritan in this parable behaved in any kind of a merciful fashion. And this lawyer recognizes this, however... At the end of the passage, if you remember what it says, the Lord can't even say the word Samaritan. Remember it says, you know, who, who was the neighbor? And the guy says, the one who showed him mercy. He didn't even say this right. He can't even say the word. And so, 
I want to look a little bit closer at the Samaritans and what maybe you and I, the Samaritan, the story, and what you and I can learn, what you and I can apply uh, as we kind of get ready to start up the school year. So here are three steps to be a good Samaritan. Number one is prepare to be, you know, be ready. The Samaritans soothed the man's wounds with, with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. And then even, not even that, he's like, hey, I got to go out of town. Um, here's some money. You know, continue to take care of this man. When I come back, if there's more charges, let me know. I will pay you. Like, that's kind of a big deal. And so, you know, in this passage, this guy had wine with him to bandage his wounds. Am I asking you to take a flask of wine to school? No. Don't tell your parents I'm telling you to take wine to school. I'm recording. I got proof. I'm not telling you to take wine to school, right? But be prepared with some simple things that maybe can help somebody out. Maybe have some verses memorized from the Bible, maybe about encouragement uh, or love or strength. Maybe have just an extra five bucks in your wallet or your phone case if you don't have a wallet. And maybe can help somebody grab a snack at lunch if maybe they don't have a lunch. Um, and look for people who walk or who ride the bus. Ask them, maybe, hey, do you want to ride? Just start a conversation with them. If you see somebody sitting by themselves, just be nice and go talk to them. Carry a pack of note cards in your backpack and maybe just write some encouraging notes randomly and just give them to somebody who, who seems like they might need some encouragement. So, in your small group, uh, your question is this. How are you prepared and ready to serve other students in your school? How can you be more prepared? I mean, if I'm telling you guys to be prepared, how are you prepared? What can you do next to be more prepared? So now, I actually talk about it. All right. Let's, uh, we're going to continue on. If you need to come back to this, you can in a minute. Second one is to, to notice. So we have prepared, now we have notice. Just have compassion. If you went to uh, spring break last spring break, uh, I kind of hit on this quite a bit about when people were meeting with us to have compassion for them. Because it says in the passage that a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Compassion is just the understanding or the empathy for the suffering of other people. Now, compassion is the emotion that we feel in response to the suffering of others that motivates a desire to help. You know, it's, it's being moved so strongly that you actually do something to help. If you don't just think about helping, you actually are moved to help. That's compassion. Compassion is the emotion that many adults have learned to kind of suppress or the type of compassion that only is for, the, for big things or whatever. But compassion is best showed in the small acts of kindness. So be ready. Keep your eyes open. But we know from the story that Jesus told that seeing isn't just enough. You know, I hope this phrase will stick with you, that seeing is good, but presence is better. Not like gifts, but your presence with somebody is better. Jesus wants us to be compassionate people who choose to be present in people's lives. There's no greater act of compassion than, that we can have than to just be with someone. You know, Luke says that the good Samaritan, he went over to the man. Other people just walked by, he went over to the man to help. Uh, several months ago, I got a phone call from a student that I hadn't talked to. He was one of my students from my very first church 20 years ago. Uh, he called and told me that his, his grandma passed away. I said, I hadn't talked to the guy in 
well over 15 years. And he just called and said, hey, uh, my grandma died. You know, and just got to be present with him as we just kind of talked about it. She was, she was the secretary at the church when I was there, and so I knew her. Um, it wasn't anything crazy. just didn't do anything magical. I didn't say anything special. I just was present with him in a pretty hard time of his life. People are, are hurting all around. You just be with him. You don't have to be saying the smartest things or saying the right things. Just or even talking at all. Just be with somebody. So, in, in your small group, what are some ways that we can show compassion to other people? Remember, compassion is acting on the emotion that we get, the empathy we feel. All right, we got one last little part left. Then we'll wrap it up with our last little small group time. The third and last thing is just to respond. We had prepared, we had noticed, now we have respond to take action. Most of the time we miss people's needs is because we are so focused on ourselves. Like these religious people in the conversation with Jesus, we only care about our, our next meal, the number of likes we get on social media, who, what our friends think, but whatever. Other things besides some of the important stuff. But I, want, I want to give you guys a warning. I've been where you are, and I come to you from the future, okay? Speaking as someone a little bit older than you. Wow. You're right. The self-centered life is a shallow life. The self-focused life is an empty life. Love only yourself, and you're going to end up with only yourself. You're going to end up alone. So let me ask you this, what if we become intentional by walking around our schools with eyes wide open, asking God to show you people and places who are in need, to show His love to them and actually be aware of what is going on around us? What's going on? Um, and not only to see people's needs, but then to actually act on those needs. I pray that God gives us a boldness to step out of our comfort zones. And most of the time, God works the best when we are out of our comfort zones because we're more dependent on Him. I see that when we do our Feet of Faith, when we do our Spring Mission trip, and we're there with those kids, and maybe we're getting kind of ready to share uh, the gospel uh, with those kids in the apartments. It's, get out of your comfort zone. Get out of being around those people who you're comfortable with and maybe try to make a difference in somebody's life around you. So who are you in this story? Are you the priest who sees a need, but you just kind of keep on walking by? Are you the temple assistant who, who notices but just does nothing? Are you the person who's just beat up by the world, and maybe you're the one who needs help? Or maybe are you the Good Samaritan? And being the Good Samaritan is a challenge for you, and, and it's the one in God's Word of how he wants you not to live today, to be that kind of person for others. So real quick, in your group, discuss that. Who are you in this story? One of those, those four people. All right. Uh, we're about to close with, with our, our songs here in just a minute. I'm trying to give McKenna text me a couple minutes ago. She's not on her way. I was trying to give you guys a couple more minutes to talk in your group and get her time to, to be up here. But uh, I just want to encourage you guys, as we end, just remember those those three things of what we can do to be more like the Good Samaritan, to be prepared, actually have something prepared, ready to go if somebody does need our help. And just, again, just to notice and be on the lookout for someone. I, I can promise you there's people around your school who, 
to our need. I promise you that. And then to actually respond to something, and actually not just see it, but actually to be like the Samaritan, and actually do something about it. Let me pray, and then we'll have uh, the praise team come up, and we'll see what happens. God, thank you for the chance, again, just to be here tonight, and just to uh, see the example of the Good Samaritan, how we're called to, uh, to go and do likewise. We're called to... Um, just to live uh, like the Samaritan, to, uh, to be prepared, just to see uh, and look around and just be on the lookout for people who are in need and just to, uh, to respond to that need. That, um, that you call each one of us to go and to do likewise. That's not just something he'd said just for, for the one lawyer who asked the question of who is my neighbor God, but that, that's, that answer is directed at each one of us, to go and to do likewise. God, may, may we find ways to be obedient, actually to go, and to, uh, to live life uh, like the Samaritan. In my name I pray. Amen. All right, praise.